Welcome to Healthcare Hacks and Connections Podcast. Here you will learn all things podcasting, acquiring amazing tips and tricks required to transform your podcast into an essential tool to grow your business. On this show, we will bring in expert guests from across the healthcare spectrum. They will share their personal stories, discuss their struggles, and give real examples of how a podcast helped to grow their business. Now let's head into this week's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. So today we have Ashley with us. Ashley Wynn Grimes. Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. You got it. All right. So Ashley, she has an interesting story because she went from a staff nurse, then she went into corporate, and then now she is on the pursuit of the entrepreneur journey. Kind of like most of you that are listening to this that are on that journey right now. And I think she has just an interesting perspective in the industry that a lot of people are kind of fearful to touch on. And we'll really get into that. But I just want to welcome Ashley to the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for coming on. So Ashley, for the listeners that don't know about you, can you just touch on a little bit more of your background? Yeah, sure. So I've been a nurse for about 14 years now. I'm losing track of time these days, but I graduated <laughs> from nursing school in 20, 2008. Yeah. <laughs> um, worked in various settings, like worked on the floors, med surge, telemetry, and ended up in the float pool at one point while I was getting my master's degree in mm-hmm. nursing education and ended up in hospital leadership, working a transition to practice program for new graduate nurses, and then ended up in corporate and got to my magical six-figure salary and in corporate hospital leadership and decided to quit and become an entrepreneur to pursue cannabis medicine. <laughs> it sounds crazy when I say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but I think we need to highlight that. You had that six-figure salary that everyone dreams of when they right. come out of school. They're like, yes, I've made it. And then you're like, but I want more. Yes. And it wasn't more from a financial standpoint. It was more from a a life experience standpoint. You know, once I hit that goal and I'm fairly young, I'm in my thirties. So I was like, well, what else is there to want to achieve? You know, like I was stuck. I didn't have any dreams beyond hitting that six figure salary. So leaving that was more of a a journey of self-discovery and personal development than anything else. So, and you know, I think it's, um, the entrepreneur journey, I feel like it shows you like your higher calling, mm-hmm. right? So like, yeah, sometimes the higher calling is nursing mm-hmm. and I appreciate all nurses out there. I appreciate Absolutely. everything you guys are doing out there. But like you said, with this going into the cannabis industry, um, which not many people would be willing to risk that. Right. And that's where everybody was looking at me a little side eyed and saying, hey, girl, you are going crazy here. But to me, it didn't seem like a risk. Um, It was was more about some a very calculated and type A personality anyway. So I'm not just going to jump off the ledge and not have my parachute and all my tools and my belongings. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I didn't know what was on the other side of of taking the making the decision. So in that aspect, it is a risk because and I still don't know what's at the end of it. I don't know what 
happens next week. I don't know what happens next month. Mm -hmm. All I know is that um, I have a bigger goal and a bigger dream at this point. Mm -hmm. Whereas before I didn't have any of that really, you know, it was just go to work and do this because somebody else told me. Mm -hmm. So with that, I know some people have tales that lead them to entrepreneurship. So what led you into this realm? Because you couldn't have just jumped at it right away. There had to be something that was a cause to it. Yeah. So I actually started learning about the endocannabinoid system and I was appalled that I had been a nurse for so long and didn't know anything about it. So that was what was driving me to do research and to learn about it. And what ultimately was me creating my little side hustle, which was a course that I was offering to people on my days off. So mm-hmm. every, you know, cause I, I was still working full time. So like once every couple of months, I would offer this training course to people and I was getting good feedback and um, you know, pretty much the rest was history. Like if you're getting good results, you keep kind of chasing the good result around. Mm-hmm. So you figure something out. And then, so let's touch on that with the course and stuff like that is how did you target your audience? Because like we said, this is a very taboo subject yeah. when it was first starting. Now it's a, it's a, you guys are kind of more accustomed to it because you know we have more states that are legal now with, with marijuana use, mm-hmm. uh, CBD use and stuff like that. So how did you navigate even finding your audience for this? It was, it's actually quite embarrassing. So, <laughs> oh, oh God, let's, let's hear it. <laughs> I was, I would print out, um, cause I was also interested in real estate. So one of the things that in real estate people do is you had the signs on the side of the road to find people or whatever. So I was yeah. kind of taking some of those practices and bringing them with me along and, I printed out probably a thousand pieces of paper that said, are you interested in learning in cannabis medicine in big bold letters? And I left my email address and I was going to hospital <laughs> parking lots and leaving them on people's cars. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And the security was chasing me off the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so crazy. And they would call because, of course, I left my number, and my email. They would yeah. call and say, hello, I think your staff was on our parking lot, leaving signs and such. And I'm like, oh, they're not supposed to do that. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So that's where I found my first five people very, very early on. I think it was my first, the first training course I offered didn't have anybody. The second one I had, I found my first five people. There you go. And that's how I feel like anyone out there, you know, not even just nurses uh, can learn from that because I've heard a story uh, of someone and we might even bring this person on in the future of where, you know, she wanted to do the same was get out of corporate healthcare and stuff like that. And she started her own practice. Mm-hmm. And what she did during that time was she went to the nearest like hikes, the busiest hiking spots. And she literally just sat there kind of with the flyer. Here you go. Yeah. You know, but that if you, sometimes you just need to start that way boots on the ground. Here it is. Here I am. Somebody hear me. Somebody know about me, whether you say yes or no. And, and that's probably the biggest feat. And it's still a work in progress. It's just Mm -hmm. letting people know that I exist, having the confidence to speak about something 
that like this, in addition to the fact that I've never been an entrepreneur, in, in addition to the fact that, you know, this is uncharted territory as far mm-hmm. as my realm of existence. So, yeah. Yeah, no, but I commend you for it. I, and I feel like more people need to, to take that leap. So like, if you guys are out there and you're thinking of taking leave, just, just go for it. Honestly. Absolutely. The worst you can do is, is fail, but if you fail, all, all I think, and probably Ashley can agree to this, is learn from it, correct? Yeah. At this point, I don't really... I think earlier on in my life, I believed that failure was a thing. But at this point, I don't believe in failure. Like there's, The only reason why you failed is if you don't learn from it. And if you learn something from it, then really you're just evolving. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good, yeah. a good mindset flip too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that took a lot of work, a lot of practice, a lot of mindset shifting and a lot of mental arguments with myself, but that's, I've settled into that. So earlier when you were saying like, you took the, the idea from real estate. So I, I know this about you, but did you already have your real estate license or were you just borrowing that strategy? Like what happened there? So I'm not even a real estate agent, to be honest with you. So when I was in that six figure job, I was really not happy. Like um, a lot of microaggression. I was retaliated against. So it was a lot of stuff kind of going on in the background where I just wanted out by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. So I was listening to uh, Kiyosaki, Robert Kiyosaki one day, and I heard him say, that most millionaires have some sort of real estate, right? So bing, bing, bing. I'm like, okay, well, I need to figure out how to get this real estate. Yeah. So I looked into like hard money loans. I looked into flips. I looked into long term. Like I did all of this research and it still was only scratching the surface. And I ended up finding our property manager that helped us uh, find our property. So we moved out of one house, uh, ended up renting that house. And then mm-hmm. We were the victim of cyber theft. And yeah, so they stole the down payment for the house we were moving into. It was a really big deal, but we were able to maintain and keep both houses. It was very, very stressful. And because of that, I decided that I was going to rebel in good old Ashley fashion. And um, I said, well, if somebody can as easily take this money from me, I can easily make it back on the flip side. But it wasn't easy. (laughs) It wasn't easy. So we ended up getting another real estate investment, which was a hold for a few years or whatever. And we just recently sold both of those houses, you know, in a high market right now. But ultimately I was looking for a way to, I was willing to be adventurous. I was willing to be risky. And I was doing all of this research to learn about this method of gaining wealth and to fund my freedom, to Mm -hmm. fund my way out of to this corporate environment that seemed very like, uh, boxed in, you know, mm-hmm. so that's how we ended up there, <laughs> man. A lot, of, a lot of like mindset flips, which I think a lot of us in healthcare really have to do with sales, with, you know, this imposter syndrome that you go through. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a lot of mindset flipping and really trying to, you know, change the way that you see the glass, right? Like yeah. glass half full glass, half empty. I really love that, that you were able to do that and, and to give us an example of it. So let's talk about 
like you said, we're talking, we're talking, we're tapping into finances there a little bit. So how did you overcome your fear with finances? Um, I realized that I didn't have to lease. So I'm doing two things at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. I'm doing this real estate adventure I know very little about. I'm doing the side hustle thing. And I also don't know much about it. And the side hustle wasn't as big a deal because it was so simple, right? Like I wasn't really investing too much of my own personal money to do this training course. It was more of my personal time and energy that went into that. So that side of things wasn't a big deal. The real estate side where I'm dealing with the property manager or dealing with contractors, we're dealing with all these people to fix up the houses Mm -hmm. and it's large amounts of money coming and going. And it was like mind boggling. I was like, you know, it was hard for me to keep up with it. It was my first time trying to like to run the numbers and I didn't have a system or anything like that. And that was the first time I realized that you need a true system to be able to pay attention to cash flow and cash expenses and being able to let the money drive your decision-making. We made a lot of mistakes in that realm that can easily be applied to the entrepreneurial realm. And a lot of the reason why I don't feel like I was able to, you know, get a handle on a financial system was because I was almost fearful of the money itself. The amount of energy that kind of flows with receiving and giving away money was like really overwhelming at that time. Mm-hmm. And now as I reapply it to what I have going on today, it's still, you know, I still have some some struggles when it comes to the way money moves and comes. Uh, but I feel as though that's always a work in progress. So the more money that you receive, the more money you spend, that's big, big energy moving back and forth. So really just getting a grip and a handle on it and letting it be a a data point as opposed to, uh, you know, something that's supposed to be saving your life, so to speak, you know? Mm -hmm. No, I think that was a great way to explain it. So did you learn this from, I'm guessing, Rich Dad, Poor Dad from Robert Kiyosaki? I listen to anything that got to do with finance and spirituality. Like that's my thing. So yes, Robert Kiyosaki, I think was one of the first books that I read where he talked about assets and liabilities. But beyond that, I've read so many books like more recently, Rachel Rogers, We Should All Be Millionaires. I read that just last month. And I feel like there was so much to learn from that. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, if you don't have millions and you don't have a solid system, you're always going to be learning till you get to those millions. And even when you get to those millions, there's so many things to learn even about that on how to manage it. So it's just a matter of like being where you are, accepting where money comes to you and, and how you attract it to you and then how you attract others to you. So that way you can create a, a system around you. Boom, right there more golden nuggets for you guys. (laughs) So let's talk about stepping into your CEO role. So your executive director of cannabis patient advocacy association. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How does that even begin? So it's actually a couple of things. I'm actually, I have a lot going on, but I am the executive (laughs) director of Patient Advocacy Association. And I was actually voted into that role, but we also have a president that oversees that. So that one isn't as much of the burden, um, but even still, like I receive a lot of documents to read over and approvals and things of that nature. So I'm the center point 
of what goes on with the organization. Um, Cannabis Nursing Solutions is mine. So I'm the visionary, I'm the facilitator, I am the bringer of teams, I am the financial manager, I'm all of the above and everything stops with me. Okay. So um, being in that role, again, takes a level of accountability that I never experienced beyond that. I think probably the closest thing I can relate it to is raising my children, right? So um, yeah. You know, like these little people are only accountable to the parents that bring them into the world. And the same thing with this business and the people that interact with it. So if there's a mistake, it's my fault ultimately, because either I didn't oversee properly or I didn't facilitate properly. Mm -hmm. And being able to accept that and knowing that this business is an extension of me ultimately is I have to be able to relax into that Mm -hmm. (laughs) and let it flow the way that it's supposed to flow Mm -hmm. while making sure that I navigate it according to the vision and the mission that is set forth for this particular business. So it's been something to get to me even explaining it this way. (laughs) Yeah. So have you thought of, I mean, you said you have a lot of hats in the business. Have you thought of like taking some things off your, your plate? Like, yeah. Accounting, you know, maybe social media management, any of that, like, or. Yes. So I, um, beginning of the year. So, um, you know, definitely have been watching over the past two months on how I can delegate a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking into an administrative assistant. Nice. In the very near future, I do have a company overseeing most of my finances, but I still have to, you know, do a lot of it. Mm-hmm to make sure that it is accounted properly. And then the other thing is video editing. So that way I can create and produce more. So it's this year has been a little bit more about expansion and being able to make more things happen more consistently. So that way the business itself is predictable. Yeah. And then you can predict your, your margins and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been in business for now? Three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. Nice. Congrats. Thank you. And then I know you wrote a book, correct? Yes. So Or, or writing a book. Yes. Okay. So I have two books. Well, one book coming and then I have a children's book. So mm. the children's book is Ace's Medicine. And then what's in progress is called Stigmatize, which kind of goes through my journey. A lot of what I explained here today in more yeah. detail, but some of the, the trials and tribulations, the lessons learned to kind of get me where I am really just empowering the nurse to know that there's something beyond where she is today Yeah. to not feel bogged down by all of the pressures that come with working in a hospital. And then, you know, ultimately just kind of releasing some of these stigmas that exist, just being a black woman, being black, being a woman, being a nurse, and then ultimately mm-hmm. entering a, a stigmatized can- industry, which is cannabis. So pulling that all of that together. So let's speak on that a little bit about the stigmatize. So when you say that, cause I know like the cannabis industry, it's very male dominated, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So how do you stand out in the male dominated world there? Mm-hmm. And how do you advocate for more female empowerment there? So Turning my attention on the people that I can impact, I think is the thing that makes me stand out. Mm -hmm. I'm not 
trying to compete with anybody. I mean, because cannabis is such a new industry. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a billion dollar industry, but it's in its infancy right now. Yeah. So a lot of the constructs that exist within this industry is not really systematized. Like, for example, healthcare industry is systematized. So there's a lot of leg room and wiggle room to kind of mold out or uh, carve out your space in the mm-hmm. industry. And I think that's to my benefit because that means there are a lot of people being forgotten that mm-hmm. I can tap into. So none of that really even bothers me at this point. I think it it was a thought at one point. It's like, how do I compete with this organization or that organization or these people with all of this money and capital um, to invest in it? But I know that there's a lot of population that is not being tapped into. Mm-hmm. And especially in healthcare, is not being talked about barely at all. Mm-hmm. So healthcare organizations don't even want to touch cannabis medicine at this point because of this federal um, schedule one status. So. so let's dive a little more into that is like how as healthcare providers, entrepreneurs, you know, everything, like how do we educate the masses about this as a tool to be used for to better people's health, better people's recoveries and things like that. But also knowing, cause I, I know this from some certain things is that there is with Facebook, Instagram, there is a little bit of censorship with the cannabis industry. So, yeah. yeah. So Facebook is the bane of my existence. <laughs> I'm always in Facebook jail and I'm not even the most rogue of the posts, you know, like I'm not smoking online. I don't show butt or anything, but you know, I get banned all the time. But to be honest with you, I feel like it's just one patient at a time. Uh-huh. I feel like if I can train a hundred nurses to talk about this plant, to have the confidence to engage about the endocannabinoid system and cannabinoid therapies and other adjunct therapies as part, as a tool to, to achieve wellness, then I think that ultimately is what's going to make the difference. Because mm-hmm. at this point, patients are choosing cannabis, whether we engage with them or not. So yeah, I just that's... feel like it's, to our benefit to engage with them about how they choose to, you know, alleviate pain, anxiety, be able to get a good night's sleep. And that way we can then talk about your other medications, you know, that are associated with Western medicine, you know, help them achieve homeostasis, um, you know, meet Mm -hmm. them where the patients are. I think we'll get better health outcomes, you know, the hospitals all, live off of these metrics and trying to save Mm -hmm. money. Well, this is a great way to help them do that if, you know, because they're already choosing it as an option. So, and Mm -hmm. the other piece of it is patients need access to clean medicine. Mm -hmm. So if patients are scared to go to a dispensary and they're getting it off the street and it hasn't been tested, like that's a disservice to the patient and to the healthcare system because, you know, God forbid is laced with fentanyl. And now you have, a patient that has overdosed on fentanyl sitting in your emergency room because they decided to consume cannabis. It's just not connecting for me. So being able to have those conversations on a bigger scale, I think is necessary. I love what you said there about really putting the patient first. Mm -hmm. I think we forget that a lot. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because healthcare is systematic in a way that has not considered cannabis as medicine at this point. Mm. And it's true for in a lot of different areas too. 
So, you know, because I worked in corporate, I was in the position of having to chase down dollars for specific outcomes that didn't necessarily meet the patient's needs. Mm -hmm. And that is a disservice to the patient ultimately, especially the types of patients that come into hospitals regularly, a lot of times tend to be in more impoverished areas, tend Mm -hmm. to be of minority, you know, background. I mean, of course, everybody goes to the hospital, but if you really think about how strategically hospitals are placed and where they're located, a lot of times they're in places where patients need hospital care more often. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is a mouthful. So let's say this, if someone is looking to kind of dive into this realm, just even the tad, like, you know, are they going to go search a blog? Are they going to go search YouTube? How can they get involved with this? And then also let's touch on this is what if they are not in a quote unquote green state? I get that question a lot. So there are resources out here. There are some books out here specific to nurses. So the training course is literally built to take the bedside nurse to give them the information they need, and then to give them a solution for the patients that they choose to educate. So upon completion, not only will they get their contact hours, but then, so you know it's evidence-based, but then I found a product that's legal across the all 50 states that they can offer as a solution to their patients. It's patient-centered, it's hospital-grade quality CBD. And that has multiple cannabinoids that's considered adjunct therapy that is acceptable from this large hospital system. Mm -hmm. So the nurse who chooses to participate in the program, they get 20% commission. And thus that that should help kind of perpetuate them into cannabis industry, however they see fit. Like this would be their opportunity to create on their own. You know, human beings are all supposed to be in a state of creation. So using their imagination, help fund their freedom is kind of how I box that up in a bow. Love it. I love everything that you just said there. I think that's a a definite way to start. So start there and then, you know, slowly educate one, one client and then work your way into getting it more into your practice Mm -hmm. and daily life type of thing. Um, So I know that you've been published as well. So with the, uh, news articles and things like that. So how have you done that? Is there a way that other practices can get themselves published or did these people reach out to you? A little bit of both, a little bit of magic, a little bit. of. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So I had a, a publicist reach out to me and she gave me a lot of help to get me published in a couple of different areas. But there are some resources. There's a website called Help a Reporter Out that I've actively reached out to. Um, I'm a researcher by nature. So mm-hmm. I looked into what publicists do, you know, as far as submitting for a pitch. Like that's a whole industry in and of itself. So like I have baseline knowledge on how to get people's attention and it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't, but just making connections, finding people. uh, That's how I found you. Yeah. (laughs) Just starting conversations with people. And if they're interested, then they are. And if they're not, then they just move on and maybe they'll circle back around or maybe they won't, but really it's just putting yourself out there. So people know who you are And, um, you know, if that's something that aligns, if you guys are aligned, if you guys are attracted, then you'll come together. 
Got it. Cause I know like, I'm sure you get this too about PR thing is like, I get on Instagram all the time. Hey, you can get in entrepreneur 2022, whatever, but with a small fee or something like that. So I'm like, are we going like this route or, or is it like, like you said, reaching out to the person seeing like, you know, Hey, this is what I do. This is what I offer. Like, I think we might have a story here. Yeah. So I do tend to shy away from the for fee situations, mostly because I didn't have the money to invest in it. So yeah, mostly everything I did from 2021 and before has definitely been without a fee. It's been mostly my heart, it's heart the sweat and tears, blood, sweat and tears that went into trying to figure out things and ending up in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't think it's impossible for anybody to do it. Um, It's just a matter of being able to communicate effectively. So people are are wanting to have you on board or wanting to write about you or feel like you're qualified. It's just really all about the energy you put out there, whether or not they are willing to accept it. But no, like if you, you know, and the other thing about um, PR and paying for like advertising and stuff, that doesn't always get you your leads. It doesn't always put you in front of the right people. It doesn't always turn into a sale or somebody who is interested in your business. Mm-hmm. So if you're not sure of your audience, no, I don't recommend you pay for somebody to put you in an article somewhere because a bunch of people will read it and then nobody will do anything. Ooh, there you go. That's a good take home. <laughs> right? that, that is a good take home. And you know, a lot of people kind of, do the tactic of let me just do this. It's all I like to look at it as when you're cooking uh, noodles, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're you know, and you know how to test if like they're they're cooked or not, right? Yeah. Where you throw it on the wall and see if it sticks. It sticks yeah. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of people are doing that, where it's like you know, let's just throw this on the wall. Here's my audience, you know. Yeah. But they really don't know if that's their audience. They haven't tested it. Yeah. And, and then they go to these publications, like you're saying, and they're like, well, this is the, the cure-all fix or, or even people using like ads and stuff like that. They're, Here's a cure-all fix for it. You know, now I'm going to be flooded with patients, flooded with, you know, but that's not the case. No, most times it's not. And it really takes a lot of time to hone in on who your target audience is to get a true avatar. Most people that I talk to, they're like, I'm going to buy my ads. And I'm like, please don't buy your ads. Please don't waste your money on your ads because you can't even describe to me to the T who your avatar is. Like you haven't even gotten to a point where you know who you're talking to. Yeah. So how can you possibly create an effective ad? I agree. I agree. Yeah. You need to know the demographic. Like, hey, it's a 25 to 35 year old with uh, they're married. So let's just say it's a female. Mm-hmm. they're married they um they're about to have a kid so mm-hmm. they're gonna go through postpartum okay that is my target audience because i am a pelvic health floor therapist right right and it's like right there that is like to the t but if you're saying like yeah i just want to help moms yeah like that's what i get all the time <laughs> and i'll be like okay but tell me about the mom what does she do what does she like to do <laughs> right it's like Do you know, like right now, this time right now. So it's almost 10 a.m. over here in California. It's like, okay, where's my avatar right now? 
mm-hmm. are they doing? Like, can mm-hmm. you say definitively, like, this is what they're doing? Right, right. So now you know when to play your podcast, you know when to put your ads out there, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know when to hold events. Like, you have to know what they're doing and where they where they at. You got to know what they like to read and what they like to do. You can't have a podcast for toddler moms and she busy. She don't have time to listen to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then maybe it's like, okay, it's a toddler mom. When is the time that she's going to have? And then, so it's like, how long? Probably she's going to, she's probably going to have maybe 20 <laughs> minutes and maybe it's like right. in between, like, so so she might be listening to you while she's doing dishes. She might be listening to you while she's doing the laundry, mm-hmm. something like that while, while the kid is sleeping at the time. Right. 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 Getting that nap, you know, so she might be like, okay, now I can listen to this while I do my chores and stuff. And then, so thinking of that, it's like, okay, now think of like, how long should the podcast be? Right. Cause you can't have an hour long podcast if you're speaking to moms. Yeah. You just can't right. to be like between that 20 to 30 minute mark, even that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So definitely takes a lot of time to hone into, into that amount of detail to really come to the realization of all that detail. Even if you are a mom of toddler moms, like what do the rest of the toddler moms do? It's not about you. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this. Knowing that, how do you conduct your market research? actually talking to the people that I find. I spend a significant amount of time building a relationship, especially the girls early on who come to my training course. Mm -hmm. I found them by accident, you know, definitely didn't have the spaghetti on the wall tactic, just putting (laughs) signs (laughs) on people's doors. And now that I've found them, I put a lot of effort into getting to know them, getting to know, you know, some of their fears and some of the things that drive them, some of the things that they deal with, Mm -hmm. what concerns them and not just ciphering information, but really just trying to figure out how I can help them move forward, help them grow. um, Because that process alone, if I can watch that evolution in them occur, then eventually it'll be repeatable. So that's kind of how I do it. Yeah, I I love that you you do that. You use your past clients, probably even present clients, to really hone in on that. And then I, I'm sure that helps with your messaging mm-hmm. on the social media through your emails, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Um. Well, Ashley, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I think you dropped a ton of nuggets there uh, for for the listeners. Definitely, if they're thinking of you know even jumping into. CBD for their private practices and things like that. You know, there is an avenue. It's not just a gray area anymore. There's actually quote unquote green grass out there. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, But I just want to thank you for coming on today. So this is towards the end of the podcast. And so for my listeners, they know that this is where I introduce a segment that we pull out random cards and they're called pod decks. And it just helps us dive a little more into you as the guest. So, okay. So here is one of the first questions. So we're going to ask three. So what problem do you want to solve? Uh, World hunger. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Is, Is there a certain reason why world hunger or just... 
I think that everybody should have a baseline to grow spiritually. So if you're impoverished in any way or if you don't have access to uh, the basic necessities, then you can't secure your health, wellness, growth or anything. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess that's the source. Yeah, like it. What makes you feel great about yourself? The fact that I woke up. And every, you know, I like to put on some makeup and I like glittery things. So um, when I wake up, I try to do something that shines, put something on that shines. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I mean, I, you know, I think like even, even showing up for a podcast, like, mm-hmm. you know, if you need that to be able to, to show up and give to your audience, like that, that's what you need to do. You need yeah. to go through these rituals, right? Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I agree with that. Um, okay. Last one. This one's actually a good one. I want to, I want, this one's going to be interesting to hear from you. Okay. <laughs> You're in an elevator with your hero. Who is the hero? You have 90 seconds to tell them about yourself. What do you say? Oh man. No, I think that's hard. I had a few people fly through my head. Um, I'll go with Beyonce. Beyonce is my hero. Okay. You don't want to know why you want to know what I would say to her. So I think I would let her know. I think I would let her know why she's my hero. And okay. it's not just because of the music. Like, you know, obviously I grew up with Beyonce and she's beautiful and all those kind of things. But mm-hmm. I would definitely want her to know that what she does to give back is appreciated. I'm not sure if she hears all the time how she crafted her career and her life to be a representation of young black women and the amount of power that that they can achieve and the amount of impact that they can have. Mm -hmm. I definitely would want to get some advice on how I could do something similar, you know, in a smaller scale, because obviously I'm not at Beyonce status. And I would really just want to stand there in quiet, too with her like hold her hand or something and just kind of feel her energy or just feel what she's like in the most quiet state i don't know it that sounds yeah. Weird, but yeah <laughs> yeah the most relaxed state you know like like is she because she she's running multiple businesses mm-hmm. so it's like how is someone one person you know really doing that and i think what you're trying to say is like are they able to relax? Are they able to like, yeah. And then what do they do? Right. Relax probably. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, we glorify people to a point where we dehumanize them. And I feel like most people, I mean, especially somebody like Beyonce, they don't really want to get to know her. They want to want her to have her persona on all the time, you know? So I would want to get beyond that. Yeah. And then what's, what's crazy about that is like, uh, You know, I feel like a lot of people, if, if we didn't know that she was famous, Mm -hmm. like if someone was like to just drop out of thin air, here I am, but not know the story. I wonder how they would interact. Yeah. Cause they are, they are human at the end of the day. We're all human. Right. And I just feel like, and especially with social media, we don't really have that human connection as often as I think we should too and even the way like people deal with me sometimes i'm like oh my gosh i can't believe you're standing here with me and i'm like i am just a person just doing my thing just like you you know trying to figure out life just like you so um everybody has their struggles and things that they are trying to get through 
And I don't think Beyonce or anybody else is any different. Boom. There's the last nugget for you right there. <laughs> All right. Well, I just want to thank you again for coming on the, the podcast, Ashley, for the listeners that resonate with your message and they feel like, Hey, like I want to get more information maybe on, on Ashley's, uh, business or, or whatnot, where can they go, uh, to find that? So my website is www.cannabisnursingsolutionsllc. You can find me on Instagram at Cannabis Nursing Solutions. And then my email address is gratitude at cannabisnursingsolutionsllc.com. Perfect. And for the listeners, we'll have all those information in the show notes. So you can just click the link down there and you can go reach out to Ashley. Again, Ashley, just want to thank you for coming on. For our listeners, don't forget to rate, review, and follow the podcast for more episodes. Peace, guys. Thank you. more inspiring conversations like this one, I invite you to join my free Facebook group, Healthcare Hacks and Connections. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, be sure to follow our socials on Instagram, the podcast underscore doc and Nate Novice on Facebook. Thank you and have a great day.